Hello, I'm Keith Barnfather. And I'm Sophie Aldred. From Real Time Pictures. Well, I'm not from Real Time Pictures, but you are, yeah, OK. And welcome to Doctor Who's... Line, is it? Anyway. Where everything's made up... And neither script nor canon matters. Boom, boom. Was that the cannon firing? Yeah, wasn't that oh, good? Yeah. I thought cannon, you said. Oh, cannon. yeah, well, no, hmm. sorry. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. Listeners, hello, lovely, 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 lovely listeners. Gosh, you get more lovely every time we see you, and we never see you. Why don't we ever see you? Why don't we ever see you? Is that because your listeners on the other end of a, of, a, of a, an internet connection? That's probably why. Probably. Yes. Oh, I went all Sylvester. Anyway, welcome back, listeners, to Doctor Who's line is it anyway? And this week we are continuing our conversation about power of the doctor this is the final part of it we also have some feedback in this from nick and darren so you've got all of us to look forward to this time so we're not going to mess around because we do go on a bit but it's not too long that's good It's, it's quite a reasonable length i think this one so let's crack straight on and go over to us to talk about it right we'll move over the other bits uh obviously ace then is dispatched to the dalek headquarters if you like under the volcano to try and rectify that problem where she runs into graham it was nice to see graham back i think i'd heard a rumor that he might have been appearing at some point but it was a surprise when he appeared because i you know after everything that we'd got i think we'd been bombarded with so many things that i probably wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. at that point for him to appear but then obviously he has that thing with Ace, with her dispatching Daleks with a with a baseball bat. Uh, and she says, oh, you should have seen me back in 1963. He goes, how old are you? And he went, oh, you should never ask a woman her age, especially on a first date. Anyway, I'm Ace. And he just goes, yes, you are. <laughs> I really so enjoyed this together. Yeah, there was a real chemistry between the two of them. And there's a thing here. Which is I don't know how I don't know if this is what Chibnall was thinking at all with this, or whether it's just a, a little throwaway thing, or whether it's just a complete coincidence. But obviously, bit of chemistry, bit of flirting going on between them. You could see maybe maybe they could meet up afterwards, maybe they could get together at some point. At which point, then, as generally happens these days, when two people get together, the two names get conflated together. So you've got Graham and Ace. And what happens if you put those two names together? Get Grace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So I don't know if that's if that's just purely coincidental or not, but nice, nice little touch. In the meantime, um, obviously, then Tegan has got down to the basement, uh, having <laughs> jumped through multiple stories. <laughs> And survived. The doctor uh, appears again and helps her to trigger the uh, the, the codes that will uh, blow up the building. The building explodes just as uh, Tegan, uh, Tegan and Kate rush out. They run four and a half feet away from the building and stand there and watch it. Yeah. Now, health and safety would have a would have a thing to say about that. I reckon, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered how they knew the building was going to fly over top of them and not hit them being four feet away from it. I was like, I was like, mm, I, don't, mm, I don't think that that's real. <laughs> to be fair, they also blew up using a Cat6 network cable, so you know. Yes. <laughs> that's not how that works in the real world. No. I was like, Cat Six cables could stop things from working. However, I'd be very impressed if removing one suddenly caused a building to explode. So then, obviously, the Doctor and Yaz—is it the Doctor and Yaz? Yes, it is. It's the Doctor and everybody, because mm-hmm. obviously everybody is now piloting the TARDIS, and they head back to the Cyber Conversion Planet, 
which the doctor then transports through to 2022, freezes all the volcanoes to make some uh, modern art and frees the quarunks, at which point the master appears having, oh, because of course, by this point, we've not even mentioned, but the, the force regeneration has been reversed. That's all been resolved as it was always going to be. And then the master uses that little remote control device that he's got to change the direction that the Quaranx is uh, is releasing all its energy at to uh, to blast the Doctor. So we're now in a position where it looks like the master is coming to the end of his particular incarnation. And now we've got the Doctor fatally wounded as well. Interestingly, we don't know if this is the end of Sasha Dewan's master because he's apparently said that he would he would be ha- quite happy to continue if Russell wants to use him. So there's discussions going on about that. But I personally would be very happy if he stayed on. And I think uh, one mm-hmm. or two people here might be quite happy as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, also pro oh, such things. Yes. During the dance. There was one little moment during the dance that absolutely oh, Twitter went was. nuts with. And yep. as they're dancing, the Cyberman turns and looks at the Dalek. The Dalek turns and looks at the Cyberman. And it was a WTF moment without expression. It was just a, yeah. huh? It was. It was literally without expression because there, it, there, it is just a turn of the head and a turn of the eye stalk and then a slight pause. And, and that's it. And you, you just exactly. you can just read into that. Yeah, you read into it the fact that you know what it you know what it is. It's two people turning to each other and going, "What the hell is going on here?" Exactly, and I, I thought, and that went viral. That was all over the place with the two turning and looking, Sasha da- dancing, and the two going boop and looking at each other to the point where I actually talked to the guy that, that was one of the Cybermen and said, "So was that you, Sandy Cross?" Because that that was a beautiful moment. Like, was that you? <laughs> I love that. I thought that was those kinds of little touches, I think, are just beautiful. Okay, now back to the doctor fatally wounded. Oh, no, I th- like it, it's worth discussing because I think that entire scene is like it's the epitome of what Doctor Who is to me. It's that those delightfully camp, slightly ridiculous moments in the middle of, yeah. as, as we've already discussed, heart rending episode in many ways, like not melodramatic, but just so full of of emotion on so many levels and yet just utter camp delight when he started dancing i was like (laughs) what i said those two looked at each other and it was like yep that's exactly what i was saying when they when he started dancing was i used to be like very very boom the music comes on and then you can just think what the heck is happening here I kept ex- expecting him to start shooting things out of his device he had, you know, start killing people as he's dancing. But wonder, no, it was just. A... I wonder what you were going to say then. Shooting things out of his. Uh, what is that? No, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. But no, the the little recorder thing he had, um, I was expecting him to start shooting and, and, you know, lasering people with it. But no, it was just a dance. Well, God. It was, I think it. <laughs> I think it was several. It was several dances, and we've seen several dances from him. Be- well, actually, within that, because he he does he does the old Cossack dance, doesn't he? <laughs> you don't you don't see all of it. You just see him disappearing down the bottom of the screen and then coming back up again. Obviously, doing doing the Cossack dance, but you don't see the the footwork. But yeah, just just brilliant. And like like you've said, there is a whole sort of subsection of of the master's personality now, where we've 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 had the sound of drums, we've had the Scissor Sisters. And now we've got Boney M coming into it, and and um, the master does seem to like a to like a banging tune and have a bit of a boogie. <laughs> that feels very much in character. Like he likes to bring yeah. his own soundtrack. Like you can see him walking down the street and like playing his phone without his headphones on. You know, the thing that really strikes me about Sasha's ma- master is there's a lot of like me. I want you to, you know, he's as evil as you're gonna get. And he's hurting people, and at the same time, he's looking at them like, I just want you to like me. I just want to be number one. I want you to like me. You know, not getting the fact that killing people probably isn't the way to do it. But there's a lot of that 
that he he just wants someone to to like him and, and you just get this weird I, at least that's that's kind of this and total evil but still there's this little bit of like me and look what i'm doing and aren't i special and look at me i'm special and you know trying to be number one and it's just that weird and it comes through with his his master more than any of the other masters because he gets more emotional i think i think we spent quite a lot of time talking about their youth and their childhoods kind of in this art and kind of yeah. taking it back to when they were friends. Like, I think all of that ties in with this idea that he's just, going to be careful here, like he's just a broken child who needs to be loved and accepted, except for he's also, like, you know, maniacal, mass murdering, yes. generally problematic character. Um, but there is an element of that, and I, to I totally get that too. And, you know, even now I'm sitting there going, oh, he was, like, lying there alone on the cyber planet that was getting destroyed. Like, even if he dragged himself back to his TARDIS, he's just, like, rocking around on his own some without any, like, fam or extended fam or even companions. Yeah. You can see it in the, in the desire to have companions. You'll obey me. But not knowing how exactly to deal with companions. I want a companion okay, I'm going to order you around. Well, that's not how companions are. So it's kind of one of these, he's kind of getting a learning curve without getting a learning curve. He's like, uh, I, I want companions. He wants companions because the doctors always had companions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think he's just, he's just thought, well, the doctor's got companions. I should have companions. But then he has Yaz as a companion. And then as soon as he's back with the, the Daleks and the Cybermen, he's like, no, it's not really working out. Time for you well, to be exterminated. But see, yeah, you're right. And that's that's like, I really want to want, really, really want a puppy. Because that, per my friend has a puppy. I really, really want a puppy. Then finding out the puppy is a lot of work. A friend may be very willing to put that work in. But they're not willing to put the work in. And suddenly the dog goes to the shelter. Time for you to go. I'll find other friends. Well, it's it's exactly the same thing as, as any child. I've seen this toy. I really want this toy. I really want this toy. And they get the toy and then they play with the toy for a while and then uh, I'm bored with that now. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. fundamentally the same thing. It's attention span. The master's attention span is, which is bizarre, really, because some of the some of his um, some of his plans have, have involved so much, you know, in depth, long long winded stuff. You know, the, like we've said, you know, Khalid and Sajil and, and and even the Rasputin thing. You know, how many years was he undercover playing that cat, that character? But when he comes out of it, it's always the hand clapping. It's always uh, the child clapping the hands like, yes, 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 yes. Well, you see that I think a lot of that stems from trauma in his past. And he's trying to fill up those empty spaces somehow and just doesn't have any ideas. So he thinks by taking these superficial things that the doctor has, companions, friendship, and and so on, he thinks that that's going to fix those broken parts. And when he doesn't get that instant gratification and that instant fix, he's like, well, this didn't work, and I'll toss it aside and go on to the next. You know, it's kind of interesting because he's sort of like the id. The in and the ego together. Yeah. And the doctor is the superego. So the in the ego always wants what the superego has. Being far too meta for this time of night. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I oh, really dear. Well, Sorry, what, what, what's also quite meta is that uh, obviously the doctor ends up lying there having been blasted. Uh, Yaz runs out of the TARDIS, picks her up and carries her back to the TARDIS in a very similar way that the Fifth Doctor does to Perry. Yes. So, uh, yet another callback there. I also think it's impressive that Yaz can pick up. <laughs> well, Yaz is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jodie's obviously not, not big, but impressive strength there from Yaz. Scooped I her thought, up. I was like, "Whoa, did you do that?" <laughs> yeah, but then obviously, you know, on the TARDIS, and then we see it start to happen, 
and we get what we, we we seem to be getting more frequently these days where oh, I'm about to regenerate never mind let's just go off uh, let's just go off and have a jolly for a mm -hmm. while uh, and then and then I'll do it then it's not regeneration used to be or something's oh no I'm I'm you know I'm mortally wounded better get out of the way here it comes boom whereas we've had it with tenant we've had it with capaldi uh, and now we've got it with, we've got it with jody where the regeneration is deferred for a period of time but can't be avoided and then and then it happens and this is what we get this time yeah lovely last cool. lovely last line though e even though it wasn't actually going to be the yeah. last line the the tag the tag you're it line love that mm. Anyway, we're fundamentally we're down to the last two bits, one of which is nice and straightforward. We've got uh, we've got Companions Anonymous, which is a, a group that uh, that Graham seems to have set up to uh, to give all the the previous companions and friends of the Doctor people that they can actually talk to about their experiences, which I think is a nice, a, a lovely little idea. Actually, it's not that. It's not that a need for people to get together just for the sake of it or just to find people. It's it's actually to be able to 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 talk about what they've been through without people thinking that they've completely lost the plot because the people that they're talking to have gone through the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And and what do we think of the empty chair? Because obviously we had Dan, we had Kate, uh, we had Graham and we had Yaz there and then we've added to that Joe Grant we've added Ian Chesterton and we've added Mel and there was an empty chair so there was, was apparently nice. uh, apparently uh, Annika Wills was asked to come and to come and, uh, and join in but couldn't make the schedule work for whatever reason which is sad because it would have been lovely to have seen Polly again and there's not really that many other surviving uh, actors who have played companions who could have come in. Obviously, we could have we could have had Ian Martyr, but he's gone. Uh, we could have had Liz Sladen. We could have uh, well, uh, yes, but Quite Fraser, a large Fraser, number, really. But most of them are new. I think it's maybe the, like the, there's a lot of new companions still kicking around. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's well, yeah, yeah. You, Arthur um, and. Karen and well, well, you say that, but they're back in 1938. True facts. You could have had Martha. Or Rose, she Rose up is on a parallel dimension. planet. Yeah. Martha, Martha's, Martha's with Mickey, and we're not going to get Mickey back for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Captain Jack who comes and goes, um, so may or may Captain not be Jack, on, the, who... on Earth at the time. And and who has a, an unfortunate problem of being timeless and ageless, and played by an actor who is neither yes. of those things. No, although it has to be said, when when he um, when he dyed his hair to come back in, um, um, what was it? Re re was it Resolution? No, it wasn't Revolution of the Daleks. Um, when mm. he came back there, I, I thought he was. He, he looked remarkably like he used to look, whereas when he came back in Future Div of the Jadoon, I don't think the dye that they'd used was good because it looked really false. It looked really fake. Yeah. Whereas the, the, the subsequent time, actually, he, he looked far, you know, and just, just dyeing the hair made him look far more like he used to. Clearly, you know, we're talking 15 years since he took on the role, so there's bound to be there's bound to be some difference but i reckon if he if he dyed his hair and he did it properly again like that he, we could get away with with him coming back but yes like we said you know he's not necessarily on earth at the time so get away with that um, I, I think you've got to draw the line somewhere yeah. i think you couldn't have a cast of thousands there and i think maybe we'll see some more of oh no uh, some more new who references on the 60th anniversary because we've had this has been a very kind of classic who kind of um Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, that's not true, but like in any case, I think you have to draw in somewhere. I think it was great to see the people that we did see. Um, I think Ian was yes. such a delight. I was like, oh, blessed, yes. look at you. So yeah. lovely. And I, I yeah. think he now qualifies for some kind of Guinness World Record for the longest gap between two appearances as the same character on TV. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I saw that yeah. they yeah. were investigating that. 59 years. 59 years. But I think yeah, obliterate the, the competition. So, same character, same yeah. actor, 
Yeah. I love that. I think it was great. And I think it was and, also and lovely. Same show. Yes, absolutely. And that moment where he's like, there is a question about her, and then it, oh, but it's not in a yes. kind of outraged or no. inflammatory way. It's just a curious kind of like, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, yeah. I think they handled that really nicely. I think the whole scene was lovely. There was a little degree of disjointedness, but that was maybe because these things are always filmed slightly oddly. Although I've, I have seen them footage, like there's a picture of them all together with Jodie, which is doing the rounds today on Twitter, which is lovely. So they all were yeah. in a room together. I heard some chat that they'd recorded bits of it out of sequence or whatever, but. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I, yeah, I, I definitely got the, I mean, there, there, are, there are wide shots, aren't there, where you can see that they're all there. So clearly they were they were all in the same room, but uh, obviously you we you know Jodie's not part of the scene, but lovely that that she was there and and she had that that bit with her. Similarly, there's a there's another picture that's that's going around from the scene where we've got Vinda and the the Ruth Doctor and the Master and Yaz. And yes, it's the, that's the oh, first that the, one the where first time. Sasha's it's... laughing. Yes. But that's 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 four people of colour, all major characters, and that's it. It's just those the four people of colour in the scene as major characters uh, and not related. And uh, that's the first time that that's happened on the show in its sixty-year history. We've had um, we've had Yaz in a scene with uh, with her family, but obviously they're you know they're they're minor characters and they're. Um, and they're related within the within the story. Whereas in this instance, you know, you've got you've got a a, a a version of the Doctor, you've got the Master, you've got the Companion, and then you've got Vinder, who's a you know a character who was in in a whole series and has come back for a return appearance, and all four of them in the same in the same scene. So that's you know that's showing how things have moved on from the past in the show where you'd have things like season 13 and 14 the Hinchcliffe era where you'd have whole stories where you you actually wouldn't see a woman at all and obviously you know representation of minority groups and sexual orientations and things like that which you which which you you know you never used to get or if you did you didn't know about it there's um so yeah if you haven't come across it there's a bbc sounds um serial that has a transgender character as the primary character but set in the Doctor Who universe like I think all of this is, has come leaps and bounds but on a really kind of fundamental level like I kept like there were several points through my notes where I've just talked about like women being competent because one of the things that I find so incredibly frustrating watching early Doctor Who is how much running screaming and generally being petty all of the female assistants do and it's just the level of competence is really good here. Like with the notable exception of that issue with the, the tiny Cyberman who's brought into to unit headquarters, like the companions don't do something stupid that results in the doctor having to save the world. Like they haven't, you know, infected everybody with a cold or pressed a button they weren't supposed to or offended the ruler. Like I just, yeah, everybody had scope and, and kind of depth and was was reasonable and it made me very happy okay now i'm going to take i'm going to say something although i love jody's run and christopher's run those are the two new who's that i really really like was jody's and, and chris eccleson's but the very first doctor barbara was a kick butt companion and barbara saved practically everybody's butt a lot of the times. Now, yeah, Ian was the muscle, but Barbara was the brains. The doctor did not come across and save them. In fact, the doctor would have dumped him a few times and left him there. Barbara was a powerhouse character, and that was the very first doctor. So I, I will openly admit to having not watched all of Barbara's work. Uh, the, the particular serial I watched her in wasn't fab but also it was written in a, it's just written in a different age and a different time and like I have to accept that that that's that's how it was like it's not it's not a criticism of of the actors or even really the writers it's just kind of how it was um, well, but it is something yeah. that I noticed when I watched back 
And have I mean, you you're... have you seen the very the very first episode, Lindsay? I have. You have. Um, <laughs> I have. Um, and the other one that I watched, I think, was the Aztecs. That's Barbara, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, she's yeah. particularly strong in. She does some things in the Daleks when they go into the Dalek city, where she actually, the doctor actually apologizes to her because she kicks butt and saves their lives. And he comes and apologizes to her. But watching Barbara, especially back in the 60s, when when all women did was scream and doctors had asked their, their husbands if they could get treatment for things. Growing up in the 60s, she was incredibly powerful compared to a lot of American shows with women in them, where it was, what, do, what does my face look like? Unless they were evil, unless they were bad. Edge of Destruction is one of them I'm thinking of, where she was incredibly powerful, and that would have been the third. Even when she's kidnapped, it's like, what are you doing, old man? <laughs> but like I say, I, I certainly I didn't I didn't mean to be derisory about any particular character or even them as a collection, but it it, it there is a tendency for there to be a lot of running and screaming and true petulant nonsense. And and like I say, I think it's it's just. I, th- I thought there was a lot of competent characters in this episode, and I enjoyed that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and like you said, Mel, seeing Mel come back, that was her main job. She got the job because she could scream well. <laughs> it's it's not a problem that is solely in all who Sometimes there are episodes of New Who 2 where I'm like, really, really? <laughs> you know. However, but yeah, I think the ending was done really beautifully, both in the, the scene yeah. with... I, I'm glad that the Doctor and Yaz got us seen together in that moment about when it's like, where would you like to go and what flavour of ice cream? Which just speaks to somebody who knows somebody else really well. And they got that kind yeah. of moment alone to say goodbye. And then the Doctor happening to drop her off in time for Graham's yes. Companions Anonymous, or Companions Not Anonymous, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're not anonymous at all. They've all got they've all they've all got little name little handwritten name badges on, so that they know each other know, know each other are. But I think that's more because not all the audience would understand who all of them were, and just having a little name badge on is is probably just a little thing, so that they knew who they were, who, who they could then look up to find out more about who was Ian. Again, was Ian? it was done really nicely because, like, I wouldn't have recognised yes. the actor who played Ian, but as soon as I saw the name tag, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know who that is. That's lovely." Like, I think, and he's ninety-seven that... years old. I know, bless him. He's he's doing a good turn. He does not look. I wonder if he's still in equity. How does that work? No, he's he's obviously he's had a word with uh, with Peter Davison and and David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, they're drinking. They're drinking from the same cup. Those three, I think. <laughs> it's that fountain of youth drink that David that uh, David Tennant must have come up with and gave to Peter and and William. Me just being around the thing is enough to kind of give you enough juice to to carry on. Um, the choice of scenery about where the regeneration happens is also utterly stunning. Like, yeah. I do sometimes wonder how they pick these things. But I think the fact that it was out in the open and it was beautiful and it just it felt very different. Like it wasn't under threat of peril. It wasn't, you know, alone in the TARDIS. It was like it felt joyous. It did. It was gorgeous. That was probably my favourite regeneration. Although there have been complaints from local authorities as to the recording that was done on uh, it's a place called Durdledor. It's it's Lolworth Cove. It's Lolworth. It, it's the place where some of the scenes for Survival and Curse of Fenric were filmed. Curse of Fenric was Lolworth Cove, and the fact that the Doctor was stood on the cliff edge, the local authorities are up in 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 arms about and saying that oh they're not gonna they're not gonna have the BBC allowed to, to film there anymore because apparently they think it might encourage people to go and stand on the cliff edge, which obviously is dangerous and. But it like to, to be fair, when I first saw it, I was like, it was gonna be the White Cliffs, or they gonna have done it at Broadchurch, which would have been both surreal and odd, but it's not. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, it was it was just lovely. It was lovely to see, and that wasn't so again, I knew that David Tennant was coming, um, but I wasn't expecting that. But I was like, are we gonna get to see Shooty? We're gonna get to see Shooty, and then I was like, Oh, okay, no, we're not. 
but then we did, so it was fine. But yes, it's a long time until the next episode. Wasn't that the first time that the clothes regenerated as well? <laughs> yes, I think so. Although mm -hmm. they seem to change size quite a lot. Well, the thing that got me was Jody was the hope doctor. That's what she was known as or wanted to be known as, I guess, because it, it, it was said somewhere in the years that she was the doctor about being the hope doctor. And I thought that that regeneration really did foster hope and beauty. It wasn't like extremely anguished type of thing. She threw her arms open wide and just allowed the energy to flow. And it was beautiful. And come on, tag your it. Let's go. It was just beautiful. So she and was I the think, hope doctor all the way through. Well, I, I think so. And I think, you know, there's, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but obviously like quite early on in the pandemic, she did a thing at home. Like they created her yeah. costume and she did a thing in front of a webcam. Um, and that was wonderful. And I think there's also, as much as we've obviously all bought into Jodie as the doctor and we've enjoyed this, there was a lot of controversy and lots of people haven't enjoyed Chibnall as much as they might have and lots of people have thoughts and feelings and probably have feelings about Chuty too um, other than the fact that he's Scottish which gives us four Scottish doctors count them four um, <laughs> and <laughs> like I think the fact that it it was such a joyous thing I think is really important like she hasn't been scared off this is not you know, running and hiding with your tail between your legs. This is something that was important and it was successful and we are moving on to more exciting things together. I think that's really important. Yeah, it is. And what makes me even, what makes me happy, really happy, is I had a lot of conversations because my Twitter friends were very divided on not my doctor, my doctor type of thing. And mm -hmm. I had a conversation with one of them that was the not my doctor group and it was like really that Jody was very very much not a role model to him and I said okay and he says I'm so tired of this whole woke business and what I love is that they're going to get woke even further <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are with Judy, they're going to get a little bit more of a jolt there wake up guess what <laughs> I think for me but that's, I, I, but that's Sorry, sorry, Miles. No, 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 no. Carry, carry, carry on, carry on, please. I was just going to say that for me, what I said quite early on was that I was like, "This is fabulous," but I don't want it to go back, going back to being another white man because just because you've had one woman doesn't, like, you know, we've had, you know, fourteen men at this point. Um, I think, I think it's really healthy, and I really hope, like, I think they've cast, like, they've made an incredible choice in Chitikawa. Um, and it's not just because it's from Edinburgh and therefore, you know, I have like, you know, <laughs> home, hometown bias. I, I think he's just a phenomenal actor. I think he's going to bring an incredible energy. And I think apart from anything else, that's something that the doctor needs. And whether it is a stillness or whether it is like a, an overgrown puppy or whether it's broody and, and like whatever it is, they need to have something about them and I think he's definitely got that so I'm super excited for what's to come but before we get to that I'm also super excited to see David Tennant who clearly loves everything about Doctor Who and that's why he's back doing this not because he needs a paycheck or because Russell T Davis twisted his arm like he's doing it because he loves it and that's that's wonderful it's glorious I have absolutely no idea what you said there but I I I'm sure it was great. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just I'm getting this it it it, it 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 all the way through this. I'm really hoping this is that this is recording because otherwise there's huge chunks of this that I'm not going to be able to use. Fingers crossed. Right. One last thing, uh, obviously we're talking about the regeneration. I assume we're still talking about the regeneration is obviously we we have a 14th doctor. It's not Shuti Gatwa, it's David Tennant as many people had hypothesized that might be the case seeing as we know that he's filming the next three but it is now official he is the 14th doctor and the 10th doctor oh, well, actually the, the if we're going to be strictly accurate about this he's the 11th 12th and 17th doctor or 19th doctor as we've worked out earlier on anyway he's now three doctors and what's interesting about this particular regeneration is the fact that as he regenerated, so did his clothes. 
Yeah, we brought that up. Uh, did you? I have no idea. What did you say? I just said, is he the very first who had his clothes regenerate along with them so that it um, wasn't just the person regenerating into whatever clothes there were? It was the person and the clothing regenerating. And I think, isn't that the first time? No, we've had it with with Hartnell's Troughton. There was uh, the, the clothes changed as well, but we haven't had it since. And okay. if you think about it logically with what regeneration actually is, that doesn't make any sense that the clothing, okay. the, the, the attire would change. And why would it therefore not change every time? So I suspect that this might be something to do with why we've got the uh, the 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 tenth Doctor back as the fourteenth Doctor. Uh, I, I I do think that there's more to this than meets the eye. Well, hopefully we'll find out in the next in the next three specials, which we're going to have to wait a year for. But yeah, it's possibly this has got something to do with Neil Patrick Harris's character, if that's who we suspect that it is. It's possible that it may have something to do with the, this precipice that the the doctor was in within her sort of, you know, sub subconsciousness or whatever it was, where we've had the first doctor saying, well, you know, you, you have to accept things. You have to go over the edge. Once you've gone over the edge, then that's fine. But until that point, you can't move on. And we know that the 10th doctor resolutely did not want to move on. And so maybe that's why he's back, because he's actually still been sort of lingering in there and has never actually disappeared. And suddenly, because we've had this forced regeneration and then regenerating back into a form, maybe this is some one of the reasons why we've we've now got an old familiar form back. Uh, we know from the curator that in the future that the doctor does revisit old bodies. And maybe this is the start of that. But the doctor doesn't seem to be aware of it. It doesn't seem to be a conscious choice. He's as surprised as, it, as a lot of other people were. And it will be very interesting to see exactly why we have what is effectively the 10th doctor back. Um, and also why the the clothes regenerated at the same time. Questions that need answering that we're, we're not going to find the answers to for a while. Is Neil Patrick Harris the celestial toy maker or the new master? The suspicion is that that he's he's possibly the toy maker, but we don't we don't know. There is nothing okay. official on this. It would seem to be in keeping with what we've seen potentially from the character, and as one of these omnipotent beings, then obviously somebody who would have the the power to potentially influence a regeneration. It could be part of some game that's being played. We also know from uh, did you did you see the trailer? for what's coming up or or not over and over, I, I over did, the other side of the pond. There's parts of it I couldn't watch, so it, it didn't seem to make sense to me. Well, there, there was very little of it. Shots of the, the, the 14th Doctor, short, shots of, uh, of Donna, one brief shot of Neil Patrick Harris, a car landing on another car, and right at the end, Shooty Gatwa in what looked like possibly tenants shirt and tie but with the shirt open and the tie loose uh, saying what the hell is going on so i'm wondering if maybe the shooty gatwa uh, incarnation might not try and break through at times within the next three mm -hmm. specials so that we actually we do get to see him a little bit before he actually regenerates properly oh, i don't that know would be that's, wild i saw that's, that that's just yeah. That's, that's pure speculation. End, and I thought, wait a minute, isn't he supposed to wait for a while? Isn't he coming after the three specials? So that kind of threw me a little bit as to why he was there. But that would be so cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if his first full episode is going to be the 60th. If his first full episode is going to be, presumably, there will be some sort of Christmas or, or New Year's special after that. Uh, or whether that will be the start of the 14th season. But clearly there have been f things filmed with him because we've got this clip. So he's definitely coming, but exactly when he's coming, I don't know. And if maybe the regeneration was supposed to be 
into into him but through some outside influence he's he's been sort of turned back to a previous self maybe then the, there is some way that the actual doctor can can break through at times and maybe that's where the what the hell is this is coming from i don't I just know. want to say the know. idea that the idea that you could have donna like berating uh david tennant about what a lanky streak of whatever he is um why can't he just look like this other guy who's much more appealing like, i feel like <laughs> that would be a very donna conversation for him for her to be like getting grumpy with him like just look at look look like the sexy black man um <laughs> However, we shall have to wait and see. It's a long way away, um, and I'm afraid at this point I'm going to have to say goodnight because I do actually have things I, I need think... to do tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Yes, um, we're, so, we're all going to have to say goodnight. So, so seriously, yes, it's going to be an, we. It seriously is going to be a year. Fourteen yeah. months. What we've now been told is that the three specials will all be airing in November. Uh, in the run-up to the 60th. So we're basically going to get the three specials and the 60th within, I don't know whether it's going to be one a week, whether they're going to do them on subsequent days, whether we're going to get just a all happening within the anniversary week or not, but it, it, it's it been told that it will be November next year oh. uh, for, for this. So we've got a long wait before we get any answers to this. That's a lot of time for speculating. And I don't know whether any clues as to what's going to happen is going to come out. Personally, I don't want any further clues as to what, no. what we're going to see. I, I just want to enjoy it and it comes up. It's one of the things with uh, with the Chibnall era, we haven't had a lot of free publicity for stuff. And whilst in many ways that's frustrating because, you know, you want to know when the show's coming back and what the titles of things are, it doesn't give anything away. The fact that, you, you know, we don't know plot details and and they've kept things very much under wraps and we have had these wonderful surprises with things like the Ruth Doctor and Captain Jack coming back and and all the cameos and things that we've had in this one shows that it's worth not knowing sometimes so I'd be very happy for that to continue and a, a unit spin-off we need a unit spin-off okay so before we do our scores we've had some reviews from both Nick and Darren. So let's just hear from those guys first of all before we go any further. Hello, so I can't be with you this Friday to talk about the power of the Doctor. However, I thought if it's of any interest, I would just share some of my views and ideas about the story, where it sort of fitted into things, how I felt about it, where things go from here. I watched it live going out on Sunday, Sunday night, and initially I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the story was, it was easy enough to follow, I thought. Lots of surprises, lots of thrills. I suppose by the end of it, I thought, well, you know, all these people expecting closure or answer to questions from the Chibnall and Jodie era, there weren't really that many. So when I watched it again a couple of days ago, I, I watched it with that in mind. And I think almost to, to sum up how I feel about this story is, no, there, there are a lot of unanswered questions. There are plenty of unanswered questions after this story about the whole Chibnall Jody era. But, you know, I think that's okay because that's what Doctor Who does. I'm going to go through some of the ways I think this, this story worked and, and also what it means on a deeper level. I mean, I think first and foremost, Jodie's Doctor has been such fun. And she was fun in that episode, right from the very beginning, getting onto the bullet train. Excitement, enjoyment, real love of life, which we don't see very often in The Doctor sometimes, you know, but Jodie had it in spades, in abundance. And then, you know, I think the first shock of the story is Dan leaving so quickly. And yet, when you think about it in hindsight, it makes sense. This story has to clear the way, but also in the greater narrative, you know, Dan was a bit of an unwilling passenger. He is aware of his mortality. He does want to get back. And, you know, lots of companions before have been just the same. You know, I'm tired, I've had enough, I've loved it, but I want to go home. It's possibly only the modern era where we've had to have so much angst about companions leaving and, you know, companions dying and then being brought back to life. Or, you know, no companion seems to have had a very easy exit in the new era. So Dan leaving and the way he did, yeah, it might be sudden, it might be abrupt, but it kind of makes sense, I think. I think also, you know, we, we were expecting answers to the 
the timeless child storyline. And I think the quite close to the beginning, when the when they're on the bullet train and the the human image of the crocs um, appears as that girl, I thought for a second she was going to be you know one of the timeless children. She looked very much like the original timeless child or one of the early incarnations of the timeless child. But you know maybe that was just a red herring because it was just a, a human avatar that the the Kronks put on. And also interestingly. It appears as you want it to appear. So maybe when the doctor saw that young child, that ties into her wanting to find out more about her past, her past as the timeless child. But obviously, it's an ongoing storyline. We don't get any closure on that story. I think what this story is, though, overall, it's a real kiss to the past of Doctor Who. There were so many lovely references to, to tie it into the bigger narrative. Just a few thoughts off the top of my head. The, the Master's TARDIS almost brought back mine, brought back my mind to Legopolis. It's look, looking just like the Doctor's TARDIS, looking more dingy inside. Obviously, Tegan and Ace coming back. Um, lovely to see them. I thought they just fitted in perfectly. And I thought it was quite nice also thinking about it, the fact that Kate had brought them in. When, if you think about it, the Brigadier in his retired days ran into Tegan and ran into Ace. So it's possible, you know, going on, you know, sort of like the wider Who sort of universe now with audios and books, etc. We know that Kate and her dad made contact again in his later years. So, you know, maybe he told her about Tegan and Ace, and maybe that's one of the reasons Kate wanted to bring them in to help out. The other big thing, of course, everybody was wondering what's going to happen between the, the Doctor and Yaz. And really, nothing did happen. But I think, again, that makes sense. They had their speech at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils when the Doctor says, you know, I, I can't feel things the way that, you know, you want me to feel or the way humans feel them. And I think Yaz's journey through the story was really quite interesting because she meets Tegan and Ace and Tegan said, you know, we used to be you. And the more this story goes on, the more you can see Yaz realising, yeah, I am somebody who is just, in the long line of the Doctor's life. I am just another friend. Her life, my life, will not necessarily go on together. And I think this feeling builds for, for Yaz the more things go on. When she takes the gun, for example, you know, that is something that nobody was expecting her to do, but she, she takes a gun. She's Yaz is thinking much more for herself in the story. She knows that whatever feeling she has for the Doctor they will never be totally expressed or brought out the way that she necessarily wants them. And I think she's coming to terms with that. It's a real coming-of-age story for Yaz, to the point where, you know, at the end, she, she knows she's got to go. There is no big farewell. They, they don't even want to say goodbye. I think Yaz has had a journey. I hate that word, journey, but she has. You know, she obviously has massive feelings for the Doctor, but she knows the Doctor's life is bigger, bigger than them, even bigger than the Doctor sometimes, and Yaz has to has to let it go. So I think that all makes perfect sense. We didn't need some wonderful big sense of closure to this story where they have a big embrace and they kiss or whatever. It wasn't needed. I think the way it played out was absolutely wonderful. Other little things. I mean, I think it's interesting that when the Doctor was in her sort of mindscape, the, the past incarnations she saw were all from the classic series. And again, I think the whole Chibnall era feels like it ties into the classic series for me. I think, you know, again, coming back to this theme of wanting closure, Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat, their, their seasons or their eras had various plots or storylines that, you know, were wrapped up, were sort of just sort of um, unique to their respective eras. But I think with, with Chibnall, what he's done, he's created some very interesting ideas, the idea of the, you know, the timeless child, the idea of is the Doctor a Gallifreyan, etc. But he hasn't answered them in much the same way as... You know, we had Terence Dix introducing the Time Lords. We had Robert Holmes um, actually showing us Gallifrey and talking about the limits of having 13 bodies. But again, these are things that were never wrapped up in their respective years. They are un ongoing things. And I think the whole Timeless Child and the Doctor's history can be an ongoing thing. You know, the, the, the show, I think Chibnall in particular is showing that, you know, this show is bigger than its makers. It's bigger than its stars. It's an ongoing narrative. So... Yeah, we didn't need to see any of the new Doctors. Obviously, we saw Tenant at the end, but it was great to see the old one because it really tied us into this notion of this ongoing narrative, this ongoing legendary storyline that just doesn't stop, really. Other little kisses to the past, so again, from sort of outside other types of media. I thought Ashad's back was very akin, the, the, the unit's back, just like, looked like the junkyard demon from the old Doctor Who 
Cyberman sort of weekly strips, you know, and so little touches like that. And I think just by the end of the story, when when the Doctor regenerated again, it was with a sense of joy. It was, um, you know, the Doctor wasn't sad, wasn't upset. She she regenerated with a smile on her face, this utter joy of being who she is, who the Doctor is, knowing she can carry on, knowing the show will carry on as well. I just think that the nearest equivalent I can think of for this story was actually the five doctors, that sense of joy. Yeah, the plot isn't mega um, strenuous. It doesn't take, you know, it's not sort of like too baffling. It's quite a slight plot in many ways. But what it does in celebrating this fantastic show, the five doctors and the power of the doctor, I think, do that brilliantly. I I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. In terms of the future, um, I did think, Potentially, it would be uh, David Tennant that she regenerated into. I had a feeling that was going to happen. I still personally think they might be sneaky and give us a New Year's Day special because I think to show us that teaser at the end and then to sort of make us think we've got to wait 13 months, I think it's going to be too long. I, I think, I won't be surprised, and I could prove wrong, but it would be lovely to think that maybe we're going to get a special early in the New Year, if not New Year's Day, but obviously we'll wait and see. So, yeah, I overall, I think this story, I, I did enjoy the Jodie era. It was different. It wasn't RTD. It wasn't Moffat. But it was Doctor Who. And I know it didn't go down well with a lot of people for the last four years or so. But um, I think it was a breath of fresh air. And I think nine times out of ten, it, it hit the mark. And that's me. Bye-bye. Darren. Hi, guys. It's Darren. So, yeah, I thought I'd give my thoughts on the power of the Doctor. In terms of story, it was a bit all over the place, really, wasn't it? Uh, not the most cohesive story. It sort of fluttered about from place to place. It's generally not bad, but not brilliant. But I don't care. Because what what came after the story, or, or, or what, what formed the story, the, the characters, the addition of the extra Doctors, it was, it was just... An absolutely glorious trip down memory lane. So you had the return of Ace and Tegan, which just fantastic. I mean, they just both instantly slotted right back in as if they'd never left. Wonderful. And then that sudden moment when the doctors appeared, that was a real bolt out of the blue. Didn't expect that at all. That that was just absolutely delightful. Really seeing Seven and ace back together and and five and and tegan just absolutely beautiful it couldn't have been done any any better and so lovely to see my one of my favorite doctors colin baker back uh that was that was just a real treat i think although, although the story itself didn't make much sense their interaction with the companions and things like that it did make sense and it was so nice to see tegan and ace working again with unit because obviously both of them have met the Brigadier before, and so for them to be working with Kate Stewart was just beautifully done. And then at the end, the sort of Companions Anonymous meeting, how wonderful to see Bonnie Langford and Katie Manning back. But the icing on the cake was, of course, uh, William Russell back as Ian Chesterton. That was fantastically well done. A, A really enjoyable episode for all its faults, story wise. Uh, it it was a pure nod to the past and beautifully done. And obviously uh, we had the regeneration, um, which didn't come as a huge surprise. I think uh, an awful lot of people knew that uh, Whitaker would regenerate into Tennant. That didn't come as a massive surprise, but it's still nicely done. And great to see Graham back as well. The 13th Doctor, she was... This was probably her... her one of her best moments, I think, uh, or one of her best stories, rather. She was just on fire throughout the entire episode. Brilliant portrayal of the Doctor. Her her era has been a bit up and down. I've not always liked everything, but I have liked her. Uh, I think she's done a really good job, especially after sort of 50-odd years of, of sort of carrying the mantle of the first Doctor to be female she's done a fantastic job and I, I will genuinely miss her. I, I've, I've liked her a lot. So yeah, it was an, a, a perfect swan song for her. And, and what, I mean, what an episode to, to, to go out on, um, getting to work with all the, 
other doctors and the other companions. It was just a, a hell of a thing. And of course, now it's the the most multi-doctor story that there's ever been. So yeah, that's my thoughts, thoughts guys. Um, sorry I couldn't join you on the podcast itself. Uh, things in life got in the way, but uh, I hope that you enjoy hearing my thoughts. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll uh, I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Right. Well, we'd better do the scores then, hadn't we? Before we finally disappear. So let's first of all. My score for this episode is definitely a ten. If there was a higher number, I would give it a higher number, but it's definitely a ten. <laughs> well, that's never stopped you before. <laughs> I adored it. I am so gonna miss Jody, and I really hope Sasha continues as the master. So, yep, ten. Well done. Okay, thank you very much. Robin, what did you think? I thought this episode was extremely well done, as I stated before, and all those the little tips and tidbits and Easter eggs and that referenced Classic Who I was just so well done. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done this for any episode, but 10 for 10 with me. It was just that good. It sets the bar pretty high for what I expect to see in the next year. Thank you. Yep, that's fair enough. Okay, let's go to Randy. Definitely a 10 from me. Like I said before, it's hard for me to imagine what could have been better. Well, short but sweet, Randy, as usual. Let's hear what Nick had to say. I would give 9 out of 10 for this story, for everything about it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have changed anything. Absolutely loved it. Okay, thank you, Nick. Uh, what about Darren? I would give it an absolute 10 out of 10. I just thought it was a really enjoyable episode. Okay, Let's go over now to Lindsay. So I think I would probably give this episode maybe a nine and a half, 9.75 maybe, only because there's always room for improvement. But no, I think it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. And I cannot wait for the new specials and for the arrival of Chitty. So yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Doctor Who fan again. Okay, that's fine. As for me, well, yes... It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was flawed, obviously, not perfect, but sufficient quantity of quality, nostalgic material in there, feel-good stuff. I think this pushes it right up well into the nines. Uh, I would say a nine and a half for me. You you can't... I don't... Well, you can. You can, obviously. Would have awarded it a ten. Sue would have awarded it more than a ten. But, yeah, I think, realistically... It's very good. It's very, very good. It's one of the best best of the Jodie episodes, I would say, purely because of the surprises. Again, the plot holds together well enough. Yeah, I, I stand by it. Nine and a half. So that's what we thought of this, listeners. Do you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? Please let us know. In the meantime, a big thank you to Lindsay. Thank you for having me. That's all right. We'll have you back again at some point, if you don't mind. Mm. Yes, sorry, yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Thanks to Sue and Randy. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Robin. Thank you. And I think also a, a very big thank you to one of our semi-regular cast members, Sophie Aldred, who wasn't here at the time, but we've been talking about her, and so I do, do think we need to thank her as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Sophie. Sophie, we need you to come back. Yes, we, we do indeed. Well, I mean, yes. What would be funny is if she does come back, because she plays the Ruth Doctor, uh, she could come back when we do this episode. And mm-hmm. that would be having you playing Ace and <laughs> playing, playing the Ruth Doctor. Oh, my God. And Ace. Yeah, because yeah, cause I'm Ace. Oh, that would be amazing. And Robin, you're Tegan. So, that oh, my yes. God, that would be amazing if she would come back. That would be hilarious. Yes, as, as would also be the bits where Ace is talking to Yaz. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two different well, pretty, pretty distinct voices between Ace and Yaz. So it'll work. It'll work. Yeah, well, we, we should say welcome to my world, Sue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. 
Anyway, in the me- in the meantime, thanks thanks for listening to us, listeners. Which what else would you do? That's why you're listeners. We will see you in a few weeks' time with something else. In the meantime, uh, look forward to the next three specials. David Tennant as the Fourteenth Doctor. Bye bye. 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 <laughs> That's it. Thank you, everybody. Well, I'm glad we didn't go on with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's only been three hours. So that's it, listeners. That's what we thought of Power of the Doctor. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Let us know. Hit us up on our socials, as they say these days. So I'm down with the kids. Yes. So hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook. That will be fine. Uh, let us know what you think. Anyway, we will be back in uh, in a few weeks' time. I would imagine now probably with a Christmas episode because we're getting quite close to it. So there will be a Christmas episode of some sort. Then we'll try and give you some new stuff in the new year. If not, we will be revisiting some of our older episodes that haven't seen the light of day for, for goodness knows how long and don't, don't really get any attention anymore, which means that some people haven't heard them. So why not? Why not go back? Eh? Why not? as we look forward to 2023 and the Doctor Who 60th anniversary with three specials and a full episode for Shooty Gatwa. David Tennant, Catherine Tate and Shooty Gatwa to look forward to. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Oh, can't wait. Brilliant. Anyway, thanks, listeners. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye-bye. All of us here on BBC One, a very good night. Good night.